Hey, what's going on, champs? I'm Aaron Deliosa. Welcome to an Immigrant's Life podcast. My podcast is about immigrants, immigration, and everything in between. Happy New Year, everyone. Welcome back. How was your New Year celebration? Did you do a Zoom meeting with your family? How was it? I hope you enjoyed it. Or did you just break the rule and to hell with it? Just celebrated it anyway. I hope not because we don't want to spread the virus more. Let's be responsible, you know. So what are your goals for this year? Is it to lose weight, to eat healthier, to exercise more, to spend more time with family? Whatever it is, I hope you commit to it. I hope you find discipline and stick with it because in a few months, it will be your normal way of life and it's going to be part of your life. And you know deep inside you that it is the right thing to do, right? How about you, Aaron? What's your New Year resolution? Oh, thank you for asking. Um, Usually, actually, every year I set up 10 small achievable goals. And I'm not going to lie, this year with what's happening with the world, I haven't really had the time to ponder and think about that 10 goals. I'll most likely repeat them, my old 10 goals, and just be better at it. Uh, They're pretty basic goals, like when the weather's not bad anymore here in Montreal, I usually like to hike more, exercise more, drink water regularly, you know, little things like that, achievable goals. That's the key for success. So whatever your goal is, whatever my goal is, let's try to achieve it. Don't be so hard on ourselves. And if we fail for a day or even a week, that doesn't mean you are a failure. It just, you just hit a bump on the road. What important is keep on going. Take that step forward. It could be a small step forward. It could be a big leap forward. It does not matter as long you're stepping forward. That's what's matter. All right, enough with my Tony Robbins impersonation. And let's get into the show. I recorded this episode with a very good friend of mine. This was a really fun conversation, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Today our guest is one of the coolest people I know. She is an artist, an animal lover, and an avid kayaker. She is my Lucy Van Pelt, but she prefers to be Peppermint Patty. Please welcome (laughs) my friend, Marga Ashley. Hello! Hey, Margie Margs. Hey, Aaron, how's it going? Good, you? Good. Thank, thank you, for, you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. And thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's start from the start. I would like to know what's your heritage? Yes. Yeah, so, okay. So I will start with my paternal grandparents mm-hmm. because we know less about them than we do my maternal grandparents. Okay. So um, I know that my uh, paternal grandfather. Mm-hmm. Um, his ancestry is Irish. Uh, he was a first uh, first Canadian. <laughs> he was the first guy to come over. No, well, he was the no. He uh, uh, my grandfather is my great grandfather, and the last name um, over the history. Uh, it, there was a family fight, and they so they broke up and spelt the names differently. So we have no ancestry history because we don't know how which name that our actual ancestry is from. Mm. So our history is quite muddy. 
So it's quite Irish fight. And you know how the Irish hold grudges. So <laughs> apparently... I have one upstairs right now. <laughs> so be nice to the Irish. But mm. uh, so, yeah, so that... But we, um, we, what we understand is that they came from Cork. Cork, okay. Cork County. And my uh, paternal grandmother is ancestry as France. Mm. Parlez-vous yes. français? Oui, je parle français, mm. mais pas comme les autres. So, il vient de la France, which mm -hmm. um, we don't know much about that either. Mm. But, um, yes, so that is my paternal and my maternal, my mother. Mm -hmm. uh, my grandmother is from Naples. Oh, Yes, and uh, we had quite a uh, large family there, and um, about three of them came over here, oh, and they okay. were actually quite active. Um, they had a store where Nora Gray's is now, that, hmm. sorry, I'm being specific, so but there's a restaurant in, uh, near the Bell Centre in Montreal, and my uh, great-grandparents owned a, well, I guess you would call it a Depeter fruit market mm -hmm. um, there. And uh, they were entrepreneurs and uh, bought real estate and did all that. And they're the, sorry for cutting up, they're the, they're the first one to come here in Canada? This, yep. These guys? Okay. That's my maternal grandparents, grandmother. Oh. And my paternal grandfather is from Belfast. Look at you, you're all so mixed up. I know, eh? Those Europeans, though. I got a lot of Europeans in me. So, yeah, he came to Canada when he was 21 years old, my grandfather. So he was the first one. Yeah. And what did you find out what the reason why he moved? He moved here because there was an opportunity to work for CP Rail. Um, and well, first he started working on a farm in Calgary. Hmm. And then his sister moved to Ottawa. So he moved to Ottawa and uh, he worked for CN, actually, CN. And, uh, yeah, then he met my grandmother. And uh, Where did they meet? They met um, in uh, Montreal through, actually, my, my maternal grandmother and my paternal grandmother were very good friends, and their families were good friends. So okay. they, uh, they met through family. Uh, that's the old way. Yes. There's, there's yes. no match.com or there's That's no... That's right. I've got the perfect guy for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he's like, hey, you know this guy? I know. He's good. I, I promise you. Well, do you know anything about him? He's good. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. You mentioned to me that you're, you have some Italian blood in you. Yes, I do. My great-grandparents came over um, for a better life um, and wanted to start their own business and have a better life for their family and their children. Mm -hmm. And are you closer to the Italian side or the Irish side? Um, I would say I relate more to the Irish side, which is funny because growing up, we went spent a lot of time at my Italian grandmother's and her sister who lived next door. Mm -hmm. um, and they spoke Italian and they were, uh, um, I mean, it was, you know, but they did. It's funny because my mom said that my grandfather didn't really like um, Italian food. So they didn't really cook. I didn't get the benefits what? of all the Italian food. <laughs> I was actually going to comment that that's why you're over there all the time because of the food. Yeah. And then you're no. telling well, me. Yeah, no, we didn't have, I didn't grow up with all the great Italian food. Why? She didn't cook? She did, but she cooked like, uh, he was Irish, so mm -hmm. he liked his meat and potatoes. And, you know, uh, so there was a lot more Irish influence uh, cuisine than there was Italian cuisine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about how 
your dad should be in the Hall of Fame of aviation? Yes, my dad, he was a pilot for Canada. He started in his late 20s flying a DC-9, and then he gradually moved his way up to the bigger planes, always wanting to be on the 747. And when he was about 42, he had a heart attack. Mm. And those days, if you were a captain, you could not get your late, you lost your license right away if you, if you had a heart attack because they were worried about health. Obviously, you know, you're flying an airplane in charge of all these people. So that was one of the conditions that he had to lose his captaincy. So mm -hmm. he could be a first officer or second officer, but he could be a captain. Mm -hmm. So why? Um, because you always have someone else in charge. You were in a supporting role. You weren't the captain. That was considered okay back then. But my dad was not okay with that. So he, um, he fought to get his license back. And he was on the uh, Canadian Airline Pilots Association. Mm -hmm. He just got the facts. He got uh, doctors on his side. He pushed for it. And he presented his case. And with help from the doctors, he was the first captain to be awarded back his captaincy after a heart attack in Canada. I hope somebody is listening that is somehow connected to the Canadian yeah. Aviation Hall of Fame. Because this... Mm -hmm. It's crazy. He should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I agree. I mean, first ballot. <laughs> That's like, I don't understand. <laughs> Have you guys tried to apply or, you know, contact someone? Well, you know, there was uh, a time I was looking about four years ago and I looked at because I didn't even know that there was something that existed about the history. I wanted it to be in the history of aviation somehow. Mm -hmm. And so I looked into it, but I have a sister who works at Air Canada and she is more in tune with what's going on and knows the process and everything. So I kind of just said, okay, well, is that something you can look into? But, you know, life's busy and uh, she's got kids and works and all that. So mm -hmm. it kind of got pushed aside, but uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's uh and that instead, I got an article in the Gazette written about no. being a goalie at 82. <laughs> <laughs> he left us, right? A few years ago? Yeah. Two years ago, July. And it wasn't a heart attack. And it was a heart attack. Yeah. It was? It was oh, a heart attack. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, he was healthy. Well, I mean, he played hockey three times a week. He golfed all the time. He had, he played the golf that day. Hmm. So it's, uh, it's just his heart was, uh, you know... His heart wasn't as good shape as he was, <laughs> but uh, I'm sorry to hear yes. that. Well, thank you, but uh, yeah, he was active every day of his life. Yeah, and the heart was like, "Bro, come on, man! <laughs> That's I right. gave I you the license you. to go back to fly again, and then you're doing this to me, homie." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, hey, I I know you were showing me pictures of him playing hockey. I'm like, dude, I can't even skate. And you're playing hockey? Yeah. That's that's nuts. Yeah, 82. And he was in, he was, uh, that's always another thing we said too, is like, and he, I hope I inherited his bones. I think I did. But I mean, he broke a lot of bones growing up, lost accidents, but he never had joint issues. So, I mean, he was goalie, still going, like he learned butterfly when but he was like seven. over here. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, no more kicking. I'm going to learn the actual butterfly. So yeah, down on his he's like, he would always challenge himself in sport so uh for the listeners that doesn't know anything about hockey <laughs> could you please explain what the butterfly technique is 
Yes, it's, uh, I don't know, was it Patrick Waugh, like that yes. era that he invented introduced it. it? Yeah, so it's when the, in the olden days, the goalies used to stand up and kick the pucks more. And Patrick Waugh um, introduced the butterflies. So you would, what, you drop down on your knees and spread your knees out. And so they would cover both angles of the nets and you'd have a better chance at stopping the puck. Yeah, so it's pretty much like a split, but like the other way. Uh, does that make sense? So, so it's like you you kneel and spread your both feet outwards. So they're touching the... Yeah, you're pretty much like breaking your leg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then you got to get up again. And then you got to get down again. And then you got to get up again. But you know what? Obviously, I mean, I didn't know anything about hockey when I came over here. Okay. Mm-hmm. And when I found out that like Patrick Trois invented it like recently, which is like 90s. And I'm like, why didn't you just do that? the whole time like why like i don't understand because it hurts to get up and down and up and down and up and down you're an athlete dude (laughs) well that just shows also the evolution of hockey and the athletes and how much more physically fit they are and uh you know then yeah oh by the way i'm shitting on like high level yeah i'm having (laughs) problems getting up in the morning (laughs) old man oh yeah old man for sure uh, did you go to college or university? I went to, well, I studied graphic design. I stayed in, uh, in Montreal. And so the only real options were Concordia or there was Dawson College, which had a three-year program. Mm-hmm. So I did that. I did Dawson. Did you enjoy college days? I did, actually. I loved it. It was a lot of fun because uh, for anyone who's ever taken any um, three-year programs or intense programs, you know, like they're long days, but you work hard Mm -hmm. and you're with the same people for three years. So you get to know them very well. And um, it's great collaborations and you get to see everyone's work. And so you form a lot of lifelong friendships through that, I think. Oh, that's cool. Did you guys have computer or it was like, (laughs) did you have to draw it, physically draw it? Yes. In my day. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) We had like, we didn't even have, Letra Set was there. What was but that? yeah, we had Letra Set, you know, like those, it's, um, so they're on a film, letters on a film, and then oh, you scratch okay. them yeah, off yeah, and they yeah, transfer yeah, yeah. on, like rub on transfers that you put on paper. Mm-hmm. So yes, but calligraphy, we had to like learn how to do it. You know, there was no fonts and computers that you could just <laughs> choose your font and do it. <laughs> So, yeah, you had to really commit to your lettering. And uh, no, computers were just starting out. Like the apples were just coming out when uh, I was graduating. Crazy, crazy to think. That's nuts. You mentioned calligraphy. uh, I remember when I was in grade three, I was learning um, cursive. Yeah. And we had a book for cursive. And my teacher, she was horrible, dude. Like, I mean, she was mean. And she will make us write our, like, I don't know, whatever, our names in cursive. Dude, I have, like, chicken scratch writing. Yeah. And the thing is, you have to do, I believe, like, two pages, back-to-back two pages. And if you can't finish it, and if it's not good, she won't allow you to leave for lunch. Oh, Yeah. So you'll be hungry, and you'll be... (laughs) Oh, man, I hated her. So did that make you work harder, or did it... uh, Did you get your... I hated her more. (laughs) Poor so did you, miss, you... <laughs> you miss a lot of lunches? No, I just like bounce. <laughs> <laughs> I wait I wait for her to like look away and I just bounce. Screw <laughs> her, man. That's like I always like even when I was young, like what's the point of cursive? Yeah, and they don't teach it anymore, right? Yeah, what because there's no point. 
Yeah, but it's pretty. And it's faster. Hey, listen, it's faster there's a write. hot chick in the bar that is pretty too, but that doesn't mean you should say hi. You know what I mean? But it's also, I find it, it's also a lot faster to write in cursive than it is to write print. Yeah, you know and what? You're right. It's, it, yeah, you're right. It's, 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 it's connected to each other, right? Yeah, so it flows as opposed to, yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's See, quicker. That's why I like talking to people. <laughs> but now they don't teach it, which I was quite surprised because uh, I don't understand why uh, they. I, I knew it was going to go away soon. Mm hmm like there's no point, you know. Like yeah. I get, I still get confused with D and G. In writing them. Yeah, in cursive. Okay, because uh, but one goes up, one goes down. Yeah, Marga, I'm not <laughs> that smart. Okay, we know this. Let's go back to college. I don't think anyone <laughs> wants to know about cursive. All right. So you did graphic design for three years. You mentioned. Well, it was a three-year program, but I only did two. Oh. You didn't finish? I did not. Why is that? Do you mind uh, talking about that? Yeah, or? no. Um, it was the second year, second semester. We had a bunch of projects to do. And I had, I started a job at a record company. It was a lot of fun. And I met a lot of great people. And it was taking more of my time. And I kind of basically let my schoolwork fall. What kind of job? It's funny because I started doing order entry, but I evolved and became the graphic designer. <laughs> and I learned because they had computers and they were they were using graphic design and I'm like well I'm learning more at work than I am at school so why am I gonna yeah. stay at school well I failed so I didn't actually have the choice <laughs> <laughs> well I actually <laughs> failed okay I, right. it was it's one, not that I didn't learn anything I actually failed. yeah there was one class you needed yeah I failed printing and you needed a 60 and I think he gave me like a 57 what a and, bitch uh, yeah well, and it's funny because I used to take later on in life, I had to take the bus downtown and my teacher was on the bus with me, the one who failed me. And I had to sit, <laughs> I had to sit on the bus with him, but we totally ignored each other. Like we didn't know each other, but I'm like, I did. It was very Dude, funny. I will be like sitting in front of him every day, staring at him uh, and just not saying anything, just staring at him with like, like it ended up by actually being a gift so you know why because that i left and then i went to work at that company full-time so it all worked out in the end oh. but i thought that was quite ironic that for a good six months i would see him quite often that's funny what kind of record company was it what name it was a punk rock it was called cargo records mm. uh, it was a punk rock record label there's one in los angeles chicago and la and england and uh, it was San Diego. And um, the Montreal office, I worked there uh, for about five years. It was uh, in Little Italy. Okay. And was there a lot of um, cool bands that came out from that record company? There was. We were a distributor uh, first and foremost. So, I mean, actually, we were at a very good time in history because we were a distributor of Epitaph and... Um, a bunch of labels that came out of um, Seattle, all the punk mm. rock labels, and that no way. yeah, so that burst, and we were in that, and the soul, like we had uh, Nirvana's first album, Bleach. No, um, so boom in Canada, that would did very well. Wow, that's cool. Did you ever meet them? Then they went to the major. I never did. No. Oh. But uh, okay. Other people but did. It, 
But I'm sure you met cool people. Yeah, you know. a lot of fun bands, a lot of Canadian bands, and uh, it was a lot of fun. And we were all young. We were all living with the ages of 20 and 30, most of us. So mm-hmm. we all went to shows together. And Wow, that's cool. I watch uh, the Tower Records documentary. Oh, yeah. That's cool, man. Have you seen it? I haven't. It's on YouTube. It's free. <laughs> Great. Check it out. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool, man. I, I'm not sure if I'm right but I remember, I think you were mentioning one time that you traveled across the U.S. I did, actually, and it was while I was working at Cargo. And it was funny, I, actually, the reason that we had talked, it was a friend of mine who worked at Cargo also, and we were talking about going on a road trip, and we were humming and hawing, and we weren't sure we were going to do it. Mm. And then what ended up pushing us to go was Kurt Cobain's death. Oh, okay. Because he died, and then we're like, well, you know... Life's short. You got to live. Let's do it. <laughs> Hashtag YOLO. That's right. So Kurt Cobain was the reason why we went on the road trip across the States. And uh, wow. we went, I think I, I think it was three and a half weeks we went. Three and a half weeks? Yeah. From Montreal to where? Well, we went. So we, we wanted to hit all these musical iconic cities and references. So we each picked mm-hmm. some. So we went, but we wanted to bypass Florida. We bypassed Florida. <laughs> So, I don't think anyone wants to go there. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, no, we take too long. So we went through uh, the Ozarks. We, uh, we drove basically, I have the whole itinerary still, but I mean, we did all of Tennessee. We did Texas. We did... Um, um, uh, did you say Tennessee? Yes, we did all, a lot of Tennessee. We went to Memphis, we went to New Orleans, got our car broken in, in New Orleans. Um, <laughs> what happened? Tell us. It was actually very funny. The first night, we decided we were going to stay at a um, hostel. Mm-hmm. Just trying to remember. That, yeah, so it was just outside the quarter, the French Quarter. So we went, and a friend and I, we were there, and then he had quite a bit to drink. We had a bit of a disagreement. I don't even remember what it was about, but it was nothing big. But he started walking a bit, about, a bit ahead of me, mm. and then these two guys started walking with him. And then this one guy was walking with me. It was pretty naive of us to think at the time. But anyway, so they, they walked us to basically to our hostel and we said, see ya, see ya. And then it was uh, the girls stayed in one mm-hmm. section, the guys in the other. So I just said, good night. And he went. And then the next morning I came out and then he's already at the car and he's like, oh. the car was broken into and they took like pretty much everything oh, I had. We had well, I mean, we left cameras in there. We listened. I mean, they didn't get much, but they got some. But I mean, that was an eye opener. It's like, how naive are we just to, you know, start walking down the street with the strangers in the middle of the French Quarter? <laughs> you met this guy summer or? No, they just Following? came in and st- as they just escorted us back to. Uh, Wait, yeah. what do you mean escorted? They just... No, like walked. They were joking around and, you know, chatting with us and having uh... a good time, blah, blah. Yeah. And then I said goodnight, went in. And then I think uh, he stayed out and chat with them a bit. And then he went in and then they so they saw which car was ours and uh, broke into the car. They were casing you. Yes, exactly. And there you go. We had a New Orleans story because of them. Mm. And then after New Orleans, where did you guys go? We went to, we went southwest. Mm. And then we went to Biloxi. We went to Austin. And you're visiting like cool venues, right? Yeah, there's all different reasons why we went to place. I was a big Troy Aikman fan. So we went to Oklahoma City. And on the way, we had to stop in Henrietta because that's where Troy Aikman's from. So mm-hmm. literally, like, we passed through it in five minutes and then 
that was it. So we did random things like that just to uh, make the trip fun. For the ones that doesn't know, Troy Aikman was the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys American football. I think he won, what, three or four? I think four. Could be wrong. Yeah, I think it was four. And he is a good-looking son of a bitch. He really is. Yeah. And then when you got to Texas, that's when you went back home or? No, then we drove... We drove out through Chicago mm-hmm. and went home through there because there was a cargo in Chicago. So we stopped there. Mm-hmm. I bet you met a lot of people then. We did. And we had a lot of connections that we worked with and talked with, but like met on the phone. So it was great to meet them in person. So we met up with them in each city. So we had, I'd say every other city, we had somebody to uh, meet up with and show us around. Wow. Oh, we stayed. This is a great story. We went to Memphis and we wanted to go to Sun Studios. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was closed when we went because we got too late. So um, we said, okay, we'll go the next day. And so our friend gave us uh, his number and said, oh, you can stay at my place for the night. So we went there and then there was somebody there and we're like, oh, hi. And he's like, oh, well, um, Sean didn't tell me that you guys were staying here. We're like, oh, sorry. And he's like, oh, it's okay. No problem. You can stay here. It's like, okay. And uh, then the next day we went to Sun Studios and we walk in for the tour and it was the girlfriend of the guy that we were staying at was the one giving <laughs> us the tour. No way. She worked at Sun Studios. So we got an amazing tour. She showed us everything and everywhere and uh, we had a great chat with her. So that was great. That's awesome. Uh, let's fast forward a little bit. I know you traveled to your ancestors' homeland yes. in Ireland. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that. That was a little fresher in my mind, so it should be good. Um, yeah, so we went, it was two years ago. Uh, we decided, uh, my husband and my two kids, we decided to go to England, Ireland, and Northern Ireland. So uh, my son's a big uh, Man City fan, so we went to mm-hmm. Manchester, we went to London, and we went to Dublin. That's amazing. Did you go to the hometown of your ancestors? I went to Belfast and I wanted to see because my mother gave me the exact address. Oh, sweet. Yeah, it was. But it was unfortunately because we only had an hour or we had four hours in Belfast. So I didn't have enough time to go. So we just we did the black cab tour where they take you to the wall. Mm -hmm. And we got the history, the Irish, the separation between the north and the, the Yeah. Yeah. So I went and got a history. <laughs> the <life>. famous wall. <laughs> yeah, you but know. not everybody knows the famous wall. So yes. can you give us a refresher, just a quick one? Yes. So um, in Belfast, there's the, the wall that was built to keep the uh, Protestants and the Catholics separate. It's, uh, you know, the long, uh, dark history of the Irish. Um, yeah. Is the Catholic versus the Protestant? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you were there and did you end up going to the address or because lack of time, you just shut Yeah. Um, no, we didn't because uh, the Northern Ireland was only a day trip for us. Yeah. That, that sucks. Yeah. The troubled times. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. What do they call it? The troubles. The troubles. It's yeah. so Irish. <laughs> It is, <laughs> like, and it, but it's it's funny when they were explaining because my daughter was with me when we were when we were doing the tour, mm. and uh, you know, just relating it to a bit of French versus the English, obviously not to the same extent, mm. but yeah, it's 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 like a silly thing, like who cares, dude? You know, 
yeah, and that it's it's so ingrained with all that history and yeah, every country has that. Exactly, you know, they always have like a reason to hate the. Oh, you know that the book of uh, Doctor Seuss. Mm-hmm. The I forgot the title, but it's like this creature that looks like ducks, and uh, the other group has a star for some reason. They have a star on their belly, and then some doesn't. And then the the guys that with stars, they're like, "Yo, bro, we're the boss because we have the star." And then the mm-hmm. and the the one that doesn't have star, like, "Oh, we want a star." Yeah. And then the, a monkey showed up, like, "Hey, guys, guess what? I can give you stars." Yeah. So the one with doesn't doesn't have star, they put a star. And then the other one that has star, like, "Oh shit, you know what? We're gonna take off the star." So the monkey's <laughs> like, "I'm gonna take off the star for you." So he started making money, <laughs> anyway, so on and so forth. In the end, they're like. Dude, we're the same. Mm-hmm. Star or no star, who gives a shit? Yep, I know. The complexity of people. Yeah, people will always find a way to hate each other. Mm-hmm. Like, let's go back to a little bit like to, about this podcast. It's like people hate immigrants. Mm-hmm. But in the end, everybody's an immigrant. You know? Exactly. Like, like people say, like, oh, why, you know, this, this immigrant stealing our jobs or whatever like dude you know your grandma or your f- great grandma maybe just came here too they we're all new here so relax just let's just be happy so what inspired you to start this podcast uh i you know being an immigrant i keep on by the way thank you for the question great question um yeah so of being an immigrant, I hear stories about immigrants, and they—I mean—they're amazing stories. And so I was like, "Man, it's a shame that it's gonna go away." So I said, "I like writing. Sometimes I pretend I'm John Steinbeck." <laughs> so I start writing about these stories, and I just collected them. And as you know, it takes a lot of time to write. You know the editing and everything, yes, yeah. And like you said earlier, life happened, and I just stopped doing it. And then a few years ago, I, a friend of mine introduced me to podcasting. And the moment I heard podcasting, I said, I can do this. I mean, I have a thick accent and I have terrible grammar, but I think I can do this. You know, I I like talking to people, but the thing I didn't have any idea what I'm talking about. I'm not a comedian, I'm not an artist or anything. No, but you're a, a man with stories. Exactly. So, mm-hmm. again, life happened, nothing happened with the podcast until COVID happened. And a friend of mine, he started a YouTube channel. And I said, man, if this guy can do this, why cannot I do this? You know, yeah. and it was just like, and then it finally clicked. Oh, I can do podcasting about immigrants. Very good. And I could those stories could be told in you know instead of going to the ether i can tell that here you know so i start that's that's how i started and then that's why i call it an immigrant's life it's a person's story right it's one person's story each episode you know mm-hmm. and then i start thinking about it too that oh I, don't, I just don't want to know about immigrants. I want to know the different perspective about immigrants and immigration life. You know, that's why I have you here, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, yes, your p- grandparents are immigrants, but you're not. But 
you know, you could give me a perspective about that. You know, th I'm, this this podcast is for everyone, to be honest. If you're willing to talk, let's talk. But yeah, thank you for that question. No, and that, one of the things I, when we used to have our chats there, mm -hmm. you you telling me all the stories, you know, back in the Philippines and things, how you grew up, and mm -hmm. yeah, so that was always fascinating. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny is when I tell those stories. For me, it's funny now, right? Like it, it's normal to me. Yeah, and then I tell people. Like people like you that tell the story and they're like, that's not normal. <laughs> you should not eat your own dog. <laughs> I just remember, was it your cat, the cat story that your cat? What happened? That someone else took your cat. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So in the Philippines, we hate cats because cats are like rats in the Philippines. They're all over the place and they steal your food. And for some reason, I, I don't know how, what age was I. I think I was in elementary. So it was me and two of my cousins. We just got this cat and we started giving it milk because that's what we thought is good for. That's what you do with cats, yeah. <laughs> but actually bad for them, right? But I just like this cat. It's just like, we call her Muning. I don't know. Muning is like a normal name for a cat in the Philippines. Okay. So mm -hmm. I just taking care of it. And I remember she had... Three black paws and one is white, which is cool. I'm like, I like this cat, you know? <laughs> and so I was just taking care of the cat. Every time I get home from school, I take care of it, feed it, everything, right? This is an outdoor cat, right? Did it come here? Every cat in the Philippines is an yes, outdoor cat. Yeah. <laughs> but this one, for some reason, when we get home, she's there, you know? And then one day, I came home and my cousin was fighting with our neighbor. And our neighbor was saying like, yo, this is, that's our cat. And I was like, bro, that's my cat. That's our cat. We've been feeding the cat forever. And we're just fighting and fighting until I realized this son of a bitch of a cat is using me and using the other family. That's right. Because <laughs> it's a cat. Right? It's like, who's got the best dinner? <laughs> exactly. I'm retarded. I don't know. So, yeah. And then so... For some reason, my cousin is like, yeah, take the cat. Who cares, you know? And I was like, you know what? Fuck cats. And from then on, I'm like, I don't care anymore. She's the only one that I love. And, and that's she broke it. your heart. Yeah, exactly, you know? Like, yeah. man, I took care of you. Dude, I was starving myself to buy milk. I'm like, yo, come on, man. I didn't even have money. I'm feeding you. And then you found another family? Screw you. <laughs> you're not a cat. You're a rat. Uh, enough about me this is about you man but thank you for the questions because uh, yeah no that that story always stuck with me <laughs> really? one of your many ones yeah, i don't know why but yeah that one i was like yeah i know because well, you love animals yes i guess yeah but you know? yeah we have many good stories but yeah let's go back to our uh, immigrant story yes uh, with all the travelings do you think traveling gave you sympathy for immigrants um, I think it just opens your eyes to, you know, everyone's, you just, more, everything's more relatable and you, you get a sense of how other people grew up and you also understand that, um, although people live in different, um, circumstances and conditions, I mean, you meet people and you realize people aren't very different. They have different accents, like different food, but traveling just opens your eyes to that, that, you know, 
the more people you meet and the more people you speak with, you realize there's a lot of um, common ground between mm -hmm. everybody. Everybody just wants to have some food, take care of their Break kids. Break some bread. Yeah. You know, have, you know, talk some shit to a friend and, you know, let's be happy. Mm -hmm. And speaking of that, do, do you mind if I ask you some political questions? Sure, I could plead the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> What's your view on immigration? Do you think it's necessary to grow the economy or do you think we have enough people here that we can train? No, I am open to, I think we should be open to immigration. We, I mean, look at all the amazing things that have come. We've all come from. So definitely. Yeah. Because um, you know how Trudeau, Justin Trudeau, the Prime Minister of Canada, he wants to bring, I think it was like 300,000 in five years. This is before COVID, obviously. I don't mm -hmm. know if But this changed. was because of Syria and a lot of events happening, right? That's, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but... I don't know about you. This may, this will might sound controversial, but as you, as like I said, and everybody knows that's been listening. I'm an immigrant, right? And it took us years to get here. It took us thousands of dollars to get here, and it bothers me personally if I see just people just like cuts in. You know what I mean? Like I get it. We have to help each other. Hey, come over here. Let's have a good life. But how about those people that trying to follow the guidelines, follow the rules, and spending thousands of dollars to come, and then they just like, oh, by the way, guys, you just wait. This guy's first. What do you think of that? Yes. Well, I mean, yeah. In politics, um, there's the story of the day that, you know, speeches make things look good in some aspects where other people suffer. And... Um, um, of course, you know, you want it to be fair for everybody and you want everyone to have the opportunity to, to go where they want to go and everyone follow the same rules. But I think maybe that's a little idealistic in the world we live in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. What advice can you give a person that wants to immigrate to Canada or anywhere in the world that what do you think they should prepare or do to help the transition for their move? Oi, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. I will try to relate it to myself if I was moving to a new country. I don't know. I mean, I guess you would want to learn as much as you could about the country, where you're going, the languages, the religions, the uh, traditions, and... Um, you know, reach out and hopefully maybe try to make some connections there. Or if you have any connections there, reach out to them. I guess you would just try to educate yourself as much as you could about mm -hmm. where you're going or trying to go. That's beautiful. Um, let's close to this one. Being a traveler, would you allow your kids to move to another country and live there? Definitely. My daughter actually went and lived in Copenhagen for a semester of school. Hmm. And uh, I think that was one of her best experiences ever. She loved it and she learned a lot. And uh, actually, it was also a good place for her to go because being, you know, a female in her 20s and not knowing anyone, it was, uh, it was one of uh, the safer places for her to go. And uh, she had a good experience there. So 
And she's uh, now she would love to travel over there and would maybe want to live there one day, but it's very expensive. So, (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. all right, I think we got it all. Those are some good questions. Some uh, some tough questions. Thank you. Again, thank you, Marga, for doing this. I really appreciate it. It was my pleasure. Thank you. I thought uh, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. Thank you so much. It's always good to talk to you, Aaron. For sure. Thank you. Bye. Bye. I want to thank you for listening and downloading the show. If you want to know more about the podcast or if you want to start or join a conversation about our topics, please head to my Facebook page, An Immigrant's Life Podcast. Also, if you'd like to be a guest on the show, you can contact me through the Facebook page or send an email to animmigrantslife at yahoo.com. If you'd like to support the show, please like, share, review, and subscribe.